Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Rook with Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart. So we're seeing a lot of red on the board again this morning, with the exception, I believe, of Minneapolis wheat. Soybeans have tried to go back and forth between positive and negative territory. And the cattle market right now is trading just a little bit higher. Darren, I want to talk about the grain trade. First of all, corn making more new contract lows here. You know, how much downside risk if we close below these lows here today? We're just kind of hanging on by a thread, it seems. Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting start to the day, Michelle. And I'll have to ask you, you've got the quotes in front of you. Have we seen March take out 440 and May take out its nearest round number? The same with July here early this morning. I have, I, I don't have my quote screens in front March of me. March is below 440. The May okay. contract is at 450 right now. Okay. So yeah, going back to, you know, if we just use the just the very characteristic round number reliance, March going through 440, you know, from a technical point of view, it just opens up the door to to a test of 430. Corn likes to go from round number to round number. Longer term, you know, what we're seeing in the cash index, if we look at the intrinsic value of the market, it continues to tell us, you know, there's plenty of supply right now to meet demand. So, you know, we're in a downtrend. It's going to continue to grind lower. Uh, it looks like there's still a good deal of downside to the cash index, not only in corn, uh, but in soybeans as well. Right. And um, I guess, you know, talk a little bit about the stocks to use ratio that you are calculating and how you're getting there and what that really senses or means for this market. Yeah, there's there's two ways of thinking about stocks to use. There's the right way, and then there's the way that everybody else does when they use USDA's imaginary numbers. If we look at the cash index and we apply basic economics 101, and we consider that market price is the, the, where the juncture of uh, the supply line and demand line meets, without knowing what supply is, without knowing what demand is, because we don't know those numbers, and we just know that the, what the cash price is, we can create a correlation back to available stocks to use, not ending stocks to use, but available stocks to use. And so as we watch this number, we can pull them up every day, you know, at whatever time we want. And we can see that it's been getting larger. In fact, uh, soybeans just went above 10%. They hit 10.1%, the largest in years. And I believe corn's gone up to like 12 and a half, 12.6% or something like that. And again, so we know, you know, we've got more supplies, at least in corn, we've got less supplies in soybeans. That's where it really gets interesting is we know we have less supplies in soybeans, but the stocks to use, the available stocks to use continues to go up. Why? There's no demand. We just don't have any demand for U.S. supplies at this point. And at the same time, we see funds selling. And in fact, in the corn, open interest has been going up. So it's new selling, right? That's correct. You know, and, and why wouldn't funds sell? If I had a fund, I'd be selling. I, again, if I look at the real fundamentals in the market and not the imaginary ones that everybody wants to talk about, but if we look at the real fundamentals in the market with basis and cash and future spreads, it tells me I, I'm, I'd be comfortable being short the market here. And if I've got a good short position on, I can add to it because there's really no fear in this market at this point. Uh, there's no there's no one stepping in to just all of a sudden to start, start buying and turn this thing around. Yes, we're making some export sales. We're still moving some some corn in particular. Uh, but by and large, as I said, there's plenty of supplies to meet demand. Available stocks continue available stocks to use continue to go up. So if I'm a fund, I'm going to continue to sell. And as you said, we can see that particularly in the corn market with the increase in open interest over the last number of weeks and months. And while demand is actually improved in corn, Darren, it's just not improved enough to whittle through this big um, carryover situation, right? 
Yeah, that's 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 the thing. I mean, we, we again, we don't know what our supplies are. We don't know what actual demand is. We can see what shipments are, and that's basically about all we've got as far as information. And then corn exports are the you know the third largest uh, export, excuse me, demand category out of the three. So it's not a huge deal, but we can see what the numbers are. But we, but by and large. You know, we don't know the numbers, but we do know the cash price. And it does tell us exactly what you just said. Supplies are large enough. Whatever supplies are, they're large enough to fill demand at this point. Yeah. Wheat market yesterday making new contract lows in Kansas City and Minneapolis wheat. And I think we took out those lows in Kansas City wheat again this morning. Um, that market, you know, what are we seeing there? Is the HRW wheat under pressure just because we have had some moisture now in some of those HRW areas? Even though we're not seeing a lot of open interest increase or trade volume in the July or the new crop uh, hardwood winter, I do believe that's where I do believe that's where the attention is. And they're looking at these winter storms. You know, they're looking at the snow that's moved across the southern plains, parts of the central plains, and in the Chicago market, same situation with the July contract as snows move across the. Uh, the Midwest and the Ohio Valley in that area, you know, so yeah, I, I do think they're looking at, you know, whatever the crop turns out to be, it certainly seems to be getting bigger as we get deeper into winter simply because it's getting better moisture. Yeah. So during all of these grains though, everybody is super bearish right now. Sometimes you turn a market when the news gets the worst, but what's going to change the sentiment of this market? What, what is the one thing that could change this attitude? Oddly enough, you you ask because that's the latest piece that I wrote for uh, I wrote for Bar Chart and posted it here this morning. Uh, there is one thing: the most bullish factor for the grain sector at this point is how large the net uh, the net short futures position is by by funds. You know, at some, even if nothing changes fundamentally, the funds could decide just to get out. I mean, we've got long term uptrends in in not just U.S. stock indexes, but in stocks in global stocks as well. So, you know, if they just want to move out of commodities, because there's really nothing fundamentally keeping them in commodities at this point, if they just want to continue to move out of commodities, they could start covering some of the short positions in corn, soybeans and wheat. And if that's the case, you know, that could lift these markets again with no change whatsoever to, to the fundamentals as we read them right now. You don't think we need a catalyst to get them to peel out of or puke out of them shorts? No, I just don't. I mean, again, a black swan event could happen at any time. And that's why they're black swan events. We can't see them coming. So they could happen. Do I, I mean, could I picture in my mind what that might be? No, because I mean, fundamentally, there's just, if we just take it on pure fundamentals, uh, there, there's just nothing out there right now that's going to change these things. But it's not to say that there isn't an event that's going to happen that all of a sudden changes the fundamentals and gives funds you know, an actual catalyst to start doing it other than they just want to move investment money to another arena. So the other thing that moved the market yesterday and maybe has spilled over a little bit is, you know, we've got interest rate talks going on amongst the folks at the World Economic Summit. And then we had a lot of China economic news out that was pretty negative. And so do you think those things, how do they play into this market? Well, the China economic news is about as reliable as any USDA data that we've got going on. <laughs> so, I mean, we can take that for what it's worth. As far as the Davos meeting, I, I don't, I don't read anything into that. It's just a place for the rich and what the rich and famous to get together and see and see and be seen. So, you know, they, they do a lot of talking, but nothing ever really comes from that. What what I find more interesting is, you know, if we look at what the FOMC governors, the Fed governors here in the United States are saying, uh, what some of the officials uh, with in Europe are saying. 
you know, there's there's mixed messages coming out right now. And we've been seeing a good deal of front running over the last couple of years, which I don't mind, uh, to be honest. Uh, but we're seeing some mixed messages with, you know, with some governors saying, hey, look, we're, we're not going to see, you know, the rate cuts that everyone's expecting. And then the next one comes out and says, yeah, look for rate cuts here in 2024. Some are talking about rate hikes. So it's a real mix right now. And I think the markets are reflecting that. I mean, we, we look at a lot of choppiness right now after the U.S. stock index has extended their rallies, now they've gotten a bit choppy up here. I don't see it as you know overly bearish as so many other uh, talking heads do, but you know to me it's just a bit of an indecision at this point. They, here's where we actually need you know another catalyst to start pushing it higher because we have reached such lofty levels. Yeah, it feels like the market really did get ahead of itself there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. What about the cattle market? Um, we've had some inclement weather. Obviously, that is push box beef values up, but we're also heading into a cattle on feed report. So a little bit higher today. Is that just some squaring ahead of the report, you think? I think so. You know, again, I, I don't get it, uh, but I've been around long enough to realize that's probably what it is. These numbers are as of January 1st. So they're at least a month old, if not more than that, by the time they're released. But yet, a lot of folks want to get excited about them. We've we've been able to see what's going on. We were able to see what went on during December with the spreads. I mean, if we want to look at the Feb, April, April, June, June, August spreads, uh, it tells us not only you know what was placed, what was marketed, uh, what we're looking at for for cattle on feed down the road. So I mean, we we already have a good idea, but folks still want to you know some folks want to trade it, some folks want to watch it closely. Yeah, it is what it is. It's it's old numbers. They will be released. And some folks are wanting to square their positions ahead of that. I don't understand why uh, right now. I think the biggest uh, hurdle in the cattle market is that cash just isn't trading. It isn't moving. Box beef is flying again, as it most likely from weather. Uh, but uh, the actual cash market for live cattle just isn't moving much. Yeah, no doubt we'll be awaiting that for sure. All right. Thanks for joining us, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bartrip. That's Markets Now. 